There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. Hey, I'm Tyler. I'm KC. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. Welcome to The Element Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Jones, and this podcast is brought to you by First Light Gear. We are hanging out in a truck again, doing the truck cast thing. It's been a while, I feel like, since we've done the truck cast thing. Man, you're right. We actually <clears throat> been in different trucks a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and uh, that makes it where we don't truck cast very much. Yeah. We, we um, knew that this year we would be in different places more. You know, last year we did buck truck, and it was awesome. And we were in the same place all the time and had a ton of fun doing it. And we did a lot of that this year, but there, especially the second half of November, and here in December, we've been in different spots a lot. Yep. So uh, not as much truck casting. But today, we got a classic here, man. Classic. Just the way it usually used to go. That's right, man. Classic, just like that UPS hat on your truck dash right We're there. We're going to kill a deer with that on sooner or later. I mean, it, it works. I it's think. in its disinfectant uh, stage right now. Is it? Yeah, UV we're giving it the UV treatment up there on the dash. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Well, what can brown do for you, man? Well, you know, I think brown is a good color. Yeah. I think it's a great color That's to be right, on. Man. Eric likes it a lot. He'll like actually wear a brown hat, brown pants, and a brown shirt. Yeah. Therefore, you cannot tell if and he has clothes on He or only not. eats brown stuff, too. So. That's, that's right. He is <laughs> he the really brownest man, man. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, you know, Casey, I'm thinking about in the next couple of years, I'm kinda, I've been thinking lately that I would like to, in the next couple of years, go on some sort of a kind of aspirational hunt. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, something that, you know... Are you aspirated? I have aspirated for some time on these <laughs> thoughts. And uh, it's aspirating to think about the amount of money that some of these things would cost. Yeah. But uh, it is kind of like something I've wanted to do for a long time, and I've held off because I've been super broke. 
and now I have a slightly steadier job, but my knees are starting to hurt pretty bad, and I just think that it's time to look at potentially doing maybe a hunt of a lifetime, and who knows, maybe I'll get to do more than I think, but... Dang, a hunt of a lifetime? That kind of thing, yeah. What qualifies as that nowadays? Uh, a hunt that you spend a lot of money on. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I, think that's what, I think that's what it's, you know, in this context would mean, so... I'm thinking about it, and there's a lot of different animals. And I'd like to hear from people if they want to send us Instagram messages or something like that on what they think I should go do. But I have thought about a lot of different species, and I haven't settled on any of them yet. One of which I've been thinking about pretty heavily is moose. What do you know about moose? Not much of anything. I've only seen moose once in my life, and I saw a couple at one time. You shot one recently. I did. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> you silly, silly snake. You silly stinker. I did. I shot a moose. Some would call it a moose. I call it a whitetail. Yeah. But he's kind of half and half. Kind of moosey looking. We're gonna get into the story of the moose that KC shot here pretty soon. But I do. I really do want to kind of talk about it a little bit. What we're talking about. Just I. Uh, I, I would say that my actual. Like the 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 two the top two things that I would probably prefer to do would be like a sheep hunt and a moose hunt. Those yeah. those would be the top two things. Now I don't really think I can afford either. And then I've also been talking to our good buddy Clay Newcomb about some of his moose hunting stuff. It sounds a slight bit boring to me, which I know it can be different for different people. In fact, I've got some relatives by marriage that have recently done a moose hunt. Um, in Alaska, and it was a very DIY type of thing, and they shot a big, big bull moose uh, the first day they were there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, that's just cool. They, they called him in and everything, man, and shot him with a bow at like 18 yards or something. And so I, I thought, man, it would be cool if that happened that way. But if I did it like when Clay was telling me about one of his moose trips, they they were like nine days of like glassing in the same spot and it was so thick and nasty that they couldn't go anywhere effectively so they didn't go anywhere unless they had a moose within like two miles or something Mm -hmm. right yeah they would see some pretty big bulls at like four miles or something and but they wouldn't go at them because they knew they couldn't do any a whole lot about it so they sat there for like nine days before they actually saw one. They were like, I think, getting ready to fly out, and they end up seeing one within a mile and a half and going to shoot it. And I just don't know if that's the experience I want, especially when you talk about spending lots and lots of money. Um, Seems like archery moose is not that as often. You don't think? It's I don't a know. calling and yeah, stuff. I more. think that a lot of times it's active, a lot of times it's like you're moving around, but it seems like it's always oriented around water bodies. Yeah. You know? Well, that's, yeah, and that's what, uh, you know, my wife's real, uh, yeah, wife's family did. It's like so. that flying stuff. You kind of have to stay where you're at. If you're doing stuff out of a boat, you got some options. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I don't know. It, it would be cool. It'd be something I really would want to do at some point. But I mean, if if I'm being truthful, the the sheep thing is is just the top deal. But the, the here's the conundrum I have with sheep, and it's. It's the same thing that I've talked about. If you've been listening to me for several years now, you've probably heard me say this at least once. But I want the the most affordable sheep. Typically, is the doll sheep. Yeah, and it's even gotten pretty high. It has. That's um, my favorite, for what it's worth. Yeah, and that is that's your favorite. Yeah. Um, 
But my favorite is actually a Rocky Mountain Bighorn because I just like that thick. It's a cool-looking critter. Just tight, curl-looking look, you know, yeah. and just the muscular look. Um, and I put in for a few of them, but there's a, I mean, as everybody knows, out west, you're probably not going to draw things like that in your lifetime. Especially just, not a non-resident. Yeah. You can't really rely on, on drawing that. So, yeah. Um, you know, but it's it's really expensive. And all the other sheep are like almost, I, I don't know if I could ever pull the trigger on actually buying the hunt, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard. And also the Rocky thing is kind of weird because like, um, from what I understand and maybe correct me people, if you, if you hear this wrong, but British Columbia, uh, there's just like pretty good road system. So a lot of the sheep get shot like right at their legal curl. And so they're hard to find ones that aren't, you know, illegal to shoot. And then Alberta uh, apparently is just like you're waiting on sheep to cross over this private public boundary between the catamine or whatever that is and it just doesn't sound too appealing to me to do that either so and you have to go to Canada yeah for real Canada. come on now so anyway um, I'd like to hear what other people think about uh, what I should go do it doesn't have to be a moose sheep type of thing like, it could definitely be a lot more affordable I don't want to do high country mule deer again right now uh, I probably will at some point again, but I'm I got my fill of it when I was up there last year. Um, I would do a, I would do like plains mule deer. We have another friend named Clay, a different Clay, who probably has some thoughts for you. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. He he I think he listens to the podcast. Yeah, and he might have something. You got a little experience in this uh, department. Yeah. Um, do you feel like plains mule deer is a hunt of a lifetime though? Is that like I feel like that's not really an expensive hunt. I think a lot of times the, for big ones. I'm yeah. talking about like not just like going and doing like a you know hey i'm gonna shoot a dinker here's but. a problem i have with the hunts of a lifetime stuff and it's not like it's not an ethical thing it's more of a like my personal experience on hunts like once you start doing these really high-end hunts you about just have to be outfitted uh-huh you know well, and in canada you do have to be yeah, outfitted. You have to, but i mean like the action of the outfitting not just mm. not just having an outfitter you know like i'm kind of okay having an outfitter but a lot of times these high-end hunts come with the, like, predetermined notion that you're going to have a guy with you showing you all the stuff and doing all the stuff. And I just want to, I don't know. On a sheep hunt, I probably want a guy because I don't know how to sheep hunt, you know. Yeah. But, like, I don't know how to moose hunt either, but I kind of feel like I could do a lot of the moose stuff. Yeah. You know, and I might be just talking out my ears right now, but... Um, you know, I, if we if you were to go on a plains builder hunt, do you really want a guy driving you around in the truck and showing you the deer? You know what I mean? Like it's it's just kind of a tough thing to to do after you hunt the way we well, do so often. When you pay thousands of dollars, I think you have a you know a decent shot at telling a lot of people like, hey, I want it to do, it. don't want to do it this way. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you go to a plains builder hunt, <clears throat> you could say, hey, you know, show me the properties or whatever, but. Um, you know, I kind of want to get out there and spot and stalk on my own or whatever, yeah. you know. But I don't really have that kind of qualm too much about stuff. I mean, there's definitely a way that I like to do things or whatever. But, like, I'm not too worried about, like, the reason, and this is the thing, is, you know, when you go to spend money like that, you obviously don't want to just, like, talk, call a guy once and talk to him. You're going to talk to him several times and really ask detailed questions and stuff. I learned that from one of my one of my uh, friends that that hunts 
some of these bigger hunts, I mean, he's very inquisitive and he will like become friends with some of these outfits and guides and stuff yeah. to the point where like years later he might be texting them and never even use that outfit service again, but he's friends with them because of all the time he spent on the phone with them before and during the hunt and all this and that, right? And so then yeah. it becomes something a lot of times where that guy's like, hey, I know an, a guy that's in southern British Columbia instead of northern British Columbia, and he does these things. Like, he'll, he does cat guiding or whatever, and you should you should hook up with him. And then he ends up in this network of guys that all kind of have a similar mentality yeah. and think the same way a little bit. And, and then he's not having to work as hard for the next hunt that he you know wants to go on or whatever. But I don't know. It's something – that I am considering. It's something that I'm talking about right now on the podcast uh, because I'm excited about the potential of it. But when it comes to actually, like I said, uh, where the rubber meets the road and I got to spend money, it's going to be hard for me to actually do right now. Inflation's just eating, you know, I'm sure like everybody's eating my household up pretty good. Um, it's it's outrageous what groceries go for and stuff. Dude, I'm, I'm going, I went to do a convenience store the other day on a hunt and I bought like, I'm I'm not kidding you. I bought two drinks, and a candy bar, and I think it was fourteen dollars. Yeah. What in the world? Isn't man? it wild? Not fun. I uh, have become a convenience store guy this year and over the past few years, which because we're on the road so much. But uh, I try to. I, I used to try to not do that. I need to get back on the kick of not buying stuff at convenience stores because it's very expensive, even mm-hmm. even before pre-inflation, you know, and. Um, it's uh, not a good economic, like, one could say, I'm not trying to be offensive, but one could say um, it is the activity of those who are not financially minded, mm-hmm. buying stuff at convenience stores. So I'm going to try to do less of that. And I do buy less pieces, pizzas at convenience stores than some people we know. So, uh, you know. yeah, <laughs> for sure, yeah. for sure. However, but. a convenience store pizza is a tasty treat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. They're tasty, but I, I haven't. I don't know the last time I've eaten a convenience store pizza. Yeah, I don't. I know. I don't, I don't think I've eaten one all year. I do know the last time I did. When it was involved the moose buck. Well, what is this moose buck you speak <laughs> of? <laughs> I don't remember. So, I'm gonna tell a story of my my deer. Yeah. Today, um, I don't remember if I told much about my first hunt because I think that was the time that yeah, we were up there did. together. And you, you did. I did. Uh-huh. Okay. I remember you telling the audience. I don't really audience. want to tell a lot more. You gave of it them a good little uh, insight into thumbnail taking, picture taking. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's fun. Um, so that time we were up there, Tyler killed his giant buck, big wide. Did you ever actually measure the inside spread of that deer? Nah, I hadn't even seen the antlers because mm. they got. They'd stay in the state. Man, it's it's been a. I haven't got to do any of my own butchering this year. Yeah, me which either. Is kind of it kind of hurts a little bit. Uh, it's nice, you know. The convenience is nice, but I like to I like to do a little bit of it. I haven't killed anything close to home. That's right. And every time I kill, it's like hot, and I got to do something with it quick. Mm-hmm. And I can't just like yeah, haven't got to hang a deer. Can't yet. Can't hang a deer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that kind of stinks. But yeah. anyways, I didn't kill the first go round, and so we came home. And, like, within, like, three or four days, we're like, oh, we need to go back because the weather's about to get really good all over again. And so headed back up, and Tyler's already tagged out. I do believe you're hunting elsewhere, right? And it's it's a story that was just told. 
yep. on the podcast. So this is all sort of um, happening at the same time. But mm-hmm. Tyler does shoot his before I shoot mine. I guess we, you know, we kind of uh, gave the punchline. Like I did kill one, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people know this because that this. So we have reels on Instagram that go crazy um, because. Instagram likes to push video content, right? Mm-hmm. This is the first picture we've had to probably ever go this crazy, at mm-hmm. least. Like this For sure. thing is like ten thousand likes or something like that. It's ridiculous on this on this buck, and it's he's super cool. Anyways, back to what we were saying. We were apart for the first part of this thing. You killed that deer that you just told the the great story about on the last podcast, and here we are in uh, this state. And we are trying to figure out how to find a deer to shoot because the property that I have permission to hunt, it's a lease that we got, and there are, there's no trees on it. It's good country. It's in the right area, but it's maybe not the best property in the area, right? So it it, it poses its own set of difficulties and one of those difficulties is getting within a mile of a deer it's very difficult to do and um i'd been on the ground some in the first story like i told you and been within range of a giant but nine point a few times well this time it would seem that the deer were doing the rut thing and they were on and off the property more so they were running around more you could see them sometimes. Sometimes they'd be on camera. Sometimes they wouldn't. Um, thankfully, we did have cell cameras up there running, and they were working pretty well. So we at least had an idea of what the deer were doing and what days they were moving around and, and this, that, and the other. Um, hey, not to interrupt too much, yeah. but you're, uh, there's a pretty cool new uh feature you found out about on the Moultrie mobile app. I did, and you know what else? I tried to check my email ago because Mark was going to send us an email about that, and I haven't seen it. So I'm just going to tell people what I know instead of reading the email he's going to send us. Um, Mark Olis, which you might have heard on Rut Fresh Radio because he's been hunting in Alabama, um, he does all the stuff for Moultrie Mobile, and, and you know, y'all know we work with those guys, but they make good products, especially these edges. They are bad to the bone. The edge camera is the best camera I've ever run. Like, as far as photo quality and just battery life and everything, the edges are bad. They're awesome. The well, app's really cool, too, man. The app is super handy. And not they the convenience store in it. Silver Springs. But um, there's a new thing on the app. Uh, it's called, like, beta or something. What's it called? It's called, uh, um, I can pull it up right quick. I, it's, like, Hunt Planner or something like that. Let's see what it's called. Sounds about right. I click the middle green button. Game Plan Game is what plan. it's called. And the game plan uses localized data for where you're at to predict deer movement. Um, and I know it sounds like some of that snake oil type stuff. And I don't think that they're doing anything super crazy. But they are taking, like, crowdsourced information from other Moultrie Mobile users with deer movement. Maybe buck movement specifically. I don't know. You can probably figure that stuff out within the app. Go check it out. And showing you when the heightened movement times are for your specific area. You can punch in, say you're in Austin, Texas. You can punch in that, and it'll tell you what's going on in your neck of the woods. How did you know I was in Texas? Kalamazoo, Michigan. Are you there? I'm not there for sure. (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad too, man. (laughs) You can punch in your localized area, and it will crowdsource the other people in your area. Now, you're not getting other people's data and figuring out where the cameras are. None of that weird stuff, right? But 
It's just giving you the most up-to-date, localized information that you can get. That's the world's biggest antelope right there. What is that? Eland. An eland, huh? Yep. We're looking at wild elands. Are they? How wild? Well, Thirty three hundred acres on, of wild? Yeah, I mean, several thousand acres, I think. <laughs> I don't know if they make a wild eland, tell you the truth. No. I feel like they just kind of roam around like cows. They are docile yeah. elands. Yeah, it sounds pretty. You know what docile animals are? Domestic. Tasty. <laughs> That's true, too. If, if an animal is made to run fast and run often, a lot of times they are a little bit more fibrous. Strange. Animals that, you know, the conditions that Wagyu beef live in, are kind of particular. Yeah, they, they don't are. move around a whole lot. No, they don't. So I bet you Eland is kind of more along massages that. and stuff. I don't know, man. They, they might. Do. I'd like that'd one be of those nice for sure, man. I hope my wife is listening. They, my be... wife, you like scratch my back. She's like literally one scratch. You know? Yeah, it's terrible. And then she, my wife does the same thing. She's like, and then she thinks of something to talk to me about, and she stops because she can't scratch and talk yep. at the same time. Yep. It's like, babe, if you would just blabber and just get all that out while you're scratching, we'd have just a. Uh, What's satisfied the, mind that's for right, one. That's right. What is the what's the biological term, right? Symbology. Symbiotic. Yeah, symbiotic relationship yep. here. There's a deer right there just roaming around. A couple roaming. of them. Looking like a couple of dobes. A couple of dobies. But they're out early. Yeah, they are. Anyways, back to the Kansas story. I'm sorry guys, we, we diverged real hard that's the way off of it that. Goes. That's the way it goes. Um <laughs> it's a glassing situation often. So especially in the mornings because the deer aren't moving around. We do have bait up there. But honestly, it's more about holding deer because you can't plant food plots on our place. There's no level ground. There's no way to make it happen. We hoped it would create travel patterns, but it just—it's too open. It, it just is. didn't. It, it made it actually anywhere. very difficult. And we run into that a lot of times when you set when you hunt bait. In fact, what we're doing right now, we got some bait here in Texas, and it's really just about taking inventory on deer, and then you have to hunt like off of that because they can yeah. go anywhere they want to, and they always go downwind of it. Um, Ran into that in Kansas as well. There was a few times we'd glass in the morning, not see too awful much, and then we would move in on an evening hunt to sit over some of this bait. And what would happen is the deer would come in downwind and smell you because they can go 360 degrees around it. Or they would see you because it is the savanna out there, dude. Mm-hmm. If I was a zebra and they were lions, they would have eaten me all the time because <laughs> I, we were always getting seen. There's a few times that does would make it into the feeder. And this is the thing you're going to like to talk about, Tyler. Mm. Big old nanny doe. Mm. You know, just all the hardest one to kill in the woods. Mm-hmm. She'd come up there, be real cautious, look around, maybe kind of notice us a little bit. And then she'd jump in there and get some corn. Well, then, about 15 minutes later, you could tell what she was looking at behind her because a buck pops his head around the corner, and as soon as he does, he makes us out, and he is gone. <clears throat> and we're literally laying there in the grass, like, very concealed. Like, if we were playing paintball, I would have got you. You wouldn't have got me. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like, that's how that's how concealed we are in this grass because we're, like, laying down being super still. So, Tyler, is a... Old doe, the hardest deer to kill in the woods. Man, if all you see is, like, young bucks, even if they look pretty good, uh-huh. then maybe. But in, if you're asking about in the woods, there's usually some mature bucks in most woods somewhere, and even if you don't see them. And I don't agree. I do not agree that she's the hardest one to kill. Yeah, I believe it.
There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land. Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth so i think that a mature buck even a uh Median aged buck is pretty difficult to kill, yep. um, personally. Yep. But, uh, anyways, that just wasn't working out. I was in despair, uh, kind of reeling because I made it to November 15th without filling my tag. And, you know, if you hunt in the Midwest, let, like, shoot, man. If you make it past November 7th, you feel like the rut's over. And you're like, I'm not going to kill a deer this year. I've already killed two, but that's not enough. You know, like, you just, you're just freaking out a little bit, man. Yeah. Like, it's uh, it's probably I don't get FOMO a whole lot, but that is one instance when I really have it. I get it, dude. And it ain't like a, it ain't like a. Oh, I'm missing out on the fun. It's the oh, I've messed up. I don't know if that's the same mm-hmm. thing, you know. But it's like I made some fear stupid of messing dis- out. F- fear fear of messing uh, something obtusely. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Obtrusively. Yeah. Uh, um, so. That's how. That's what I do. It's like, gosh, I'm not going to kill a deer on this trip. I'm going to have to come up here and, and face blizzards, mm. and just it just be the worst. 
And um, so I get that way, especially, you know, once you get into the teens of November. And it's not it's not how it goes. I mean, again, to reference Rut Fresh, we had uh, Nate, Nate Crick. Crick on who killed a deer on November 28th in the Midwest that was doing a rut thing. Called him in. Called him in to like, what do you say? 12 like yards 12 or yards. I think. Yeah. yeah, ridiculous amount, right? So um, they still do the rut thing on November. But here we are, November 15th. I'm going to go out. I got my good friend Michael with me. He's going to film me do some hunting, and we're going to glass that morning. Kind of actually not being super serious because that's kind of how glassing starts out for me. I'm not, like, in the game too much when I'm, like, sitting up going glass stuff from a mile away. I'm just like, ah, let's take it easy. I mean, there's no deer going to hear us or smell us, so let's kind of cut up, have fun, glass some, see if we can find a deer to shoot, and then when it gets serious, I'll get real serious about it. Um, well, we pull up, and it's – it is what you would call socked in. Mm. Cut the fog with a knife. Mm. Uh, we get out. He gets out to open the gate, and you can hardly see the gate in front of the truck. So we pull up to where we're going to get the park the truck and get out to glass, and we just sit in the truck because there's good phone service there. And I'll tell you one thing I don't want to do is sit around in the fog without phone service. So I'm going <laughs> to sit in the fog with phone service in the warm truck. We, we, we killed the truck. We didn't leave it cranked, but... Um, you know, sitting there out of the wind, out of the weather, and uh, just hoping that the fog is going to lift. And we were talking about some funny things. I can't remember. Michael's a pretty funny dude. Um, so finally, it's you know, I can't remember when it gets daylight, but it's like probably like 6.40, right? At about 8.30, I can see the fog start to break above us. It's not breaking, um, you know, ground on level. the horizon, on the ground, but you can start to see some sun poke through. And that's like your first telltale sign, like, hey, uh, we need to get out and get going. Mm-hmm. So we hopped out real quick, got our gear, got set up in our glassing position, and, and right away the fog cleared. I mean, it's crazy how fast it can happen. And lo and behold, there's deer out there. It's like, whoa, what's going on? They're, they've been here the whole time, but you couldn't see them. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess kind of a side note to this is it probably is not worth bumbling around out there in the fog. You're going to spook a lot of deer if you just can't see and you're trying to find them, you know, spot and stalk style. Um, spot is this is the key f- part of that two-word phrase. Uh-huh. Um, so um, we get the binos up. We get the the spotters set up. We lay down on the ground. Not lay down, but like sat down up against these yuccas. And we're glassing this big old open, expansive country. And right away, we spot a forky cruising hard. We're like, well, that's good. I'm glad to see some some good buck action. And he's got the wind in his face and he's just doing the thing and it's it's kind of fun to watch him do that and then i'm glassing around and this is a creek bottom with a dry creek in the bottom of it so it's pretty wide um and there's like sand and stuff tall grass deer can kind of come in and out of it of places you can lose them and then find them again later and then all of a sudden at about 800 yards i see a deer moving and I, and I don't know where it came from. You know, it's just like, whoa, what did that do? What's that doing there? And so I throw my binos up, and right away I can see the reflection of antlers. And, I, and they're pretty big if you can see them from that far away with just binos real quick. And so I kind of like reposition, get a little bit more steady, make it out. And it's like stark white antlers. Really, really just that just light, light tan, just almost white. And I'm looking at it like, golly, it's pretty big. I haven't put the spotter on it yet. And I see this deer turn, and I can tell he's non-typical. Something's up with his right side. But I almost can't believe what I'm seeing, so I'm like, okay, I'm just missing something because it's so far. 
But I tell Michael, I say, Michael, this is the most ridiculous-looking book you've ever seen down there right now. <laughs> and so I go to get the spotter set up. While that's happening, Michael's glass, and he's like, oh, man, he looks pretty good. Um, I get the spotter on him and end up there are two bucks down there. One of them is a buck that we know well. This buck that I had spotted with the really white antlers I'd, we'd never seen before. And we've had cameras on this place since September. We've been hunting it. It's probably like the ninth day of hunting on the property. Never seen the deer. The other buck is a like a 150s class eight point. I mean, he is a monster. He's super tall and just very boxy frame, like very like right angle kind of thing. You know, like he comes up off his head, straight out, straight up tines. Very cool looking deer. And so I'm like, oh, well, I know how big that deer is because we got on camera quite a bit, and I've seen him in person. Um, I would shoot that deer if given the opportunity. Now, looking at him compared to this other deer, the other deer is very impressive. And so I'm like, right away, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have to make a move on these deer. Like, I, I'm not just going to watch them. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to wait them to bed down. I'm going to see what's going on. And, and I'm putting together a whole bunch of details r- quickly in this situation. And I'm like, okay, they're together. Why are these deer together? And how are they interacting? Well, while I'm thinking about this, they just start fighting. They are ticked at each other. And for about, I don't know, a minute and a half maybe, they try to kill each other. Mm. Like one of those fights you dream about seeing. And I got it on phone scope. It's not the greatest because it's kind of far. I wish it was closer. But at the same time, because we weren't close, we didn't spook them. So it's cool. But, I mean, there are deer bodies flipping through the air. I mean, it it is going down. And I'm watching this whole thing, and it looks as if the non-typical deer loses the fight. I was like, man, I guess the eight points, you know, the better deer or whatever. Um, but he kind of, like, gets poked in the butt or whatever, and they run, like, 100 yards, and they start squaring off again. And they're just, like, pow- posturing and stuff. So the fight's not over. It's just, like, kind of like round one was over. And they're, like, posturing up, and then they kind of go out of sight behind this hill, and then it goes from glassing to running real fast. Michael and I grab our stuff as fast as we can, and we leave our packs and we just take bow and camera and go and run about 750 yards down to the spot where I feel like, okay, we have to stop right here and then start being careful. And we do that. Carefully, we're looking for these deer. I'm making moves according to the wind so that I know that I won't be smelled by them. I will see them before anything happens. And we are checking these little ditches to see if they're in there. Can't find them. I know, but I have this one drainage in my mind that I think they're in. And so I was a little blinded by that because that, that was what my mind was focused on was getting to that one. But I'm being cautious along the way. Well, the um, there was a doe. There's always a doe, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You don't always see her because she's smaller. She attracts less attention from us, but that's why they're fighting. They Bucks, I don't know because I haven't seen every buck fight, but Tyler, you probably have some thoughts on this too. Bucks hardly ever square up and try to kill each other just because they're mad at each other. Do you? Th- can you think of an instance when you've seen bucks fight when there's not a doe around and, I mean, like really get after it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't I can't think of you know I haven't seen a ton of fights either, but yeah, um, I can't think of a time when that was the case. I mean, I I saw some bucks, uh, a buck get mad the other night, and not the other night, but uh, one of those nights that I was hunting out there, and 
um, essentially like do the bull like scrape the dirt kind of thing right <laughs> at that's cool like another buck that was like 40 50 yards away yeah um and there was does involved even in that mm-hmm. situation too so and, and it's probably you know it's relative to how in estrus the doe is right like mm-hmm. i mean there'll be does around in september and the bucks aren't gonna fight but like that time of year if a doe is smelling good they're liable to to really not like each other and so that's what's going on there ends up we spook the doe and this has happened to me before in the past. And, and there's almost like a ticking time bomb. If you spook the doe and the bucks don't go with her, like, they are only there for her. So mm-hmm. they're going to figure out what's going on. <clears throat> well, at that point in time, I kind of start rushing it a little bit, and I'm trying to get to that drainage. And when I say drainage, I don't mean, like, a mile over. These things are like little fingers that come into the main creek that are, you know, roughly 50 yards apart. And one of them is a lot bigger than the other ones. Well, the one before the last one... Um, I walk up to the edge on it and my thoughts are how am I going to get across this thing and I'm not really paying good attention and I bump the big non-typical out of this draw he is 15 yards away and he just does a 180 and gets out of dodge and runs out but stops at like a pretty far distance, but I'm thinking maybe I could shoot. I range him. It's far. It's too far to be shooting. But I have a couple things that I want to tell you. First off, you I lost do, your mind. I, I lost my mind. <laughs> I, sometimes I do things that I shouldn't do, and I think that all humans do. That's part of being a human. Not that it's a thing. Not that it's an excuse. Not that you should. But things happen, and you should ask for forgiveness for those things and repent of your ways, right? And <laughs> this is something that I'm going to actually work on to an extent uh, in this situation. However, when a once-of-a-lifetime deer presents itself, men will act, and women too, I suppose, if they see one, will act in certain ways that may not be the same way you'd act someone say, like, a decent eight-point is around you, <laughs> yep. right? And so... <clears throat> Shots far. I'm just gonna tell you that it's it's on my sight tape. I feel I pull, I draw back really good. Feel great about the situation. The deer is calm. He's not looking at us, quartering away. I squeeze the trigger. Bow goes off. Arrow flies. Arrow misses the deer barely. He then runs. I'm like, oh man, it's over. And he runs about 50 yards and gets in this plum thicket and just stands there. It's like, golly, man, this thing is just love drunk and punch drunk. He's he just had, you know, just a knockdown drag out, and he's just smelled the best smelling Susie he's ever smelled. And so he's just wanting to be there. So at that point in time, I'm thinking, okay, I guess I still have an opportunity at this deer. Um, and I'm trying to calculate this. Well, when this is going on, I hear something to my left, look over, it's something, but somewhere between 25 and 40 yards, the 158 point is standing there looking at me <laughs> while all this is going on. And I'm freaking out, grabbing another arrow, and Michael's like, ah, he's, freak- he's freaking out too. And this deer. Michael you know, probably was going, doing the feeding call. He, that deer buggered and ran out to about 70. And I already taken a long shot. I wasn't going to do it again. Uh, because now there's two giant bucks in my life, and um, I gave him a snort wheeze, 
and he stops doing things, and at that point in time, he's just defensive. He snorts, blows a couple times. Just mad, though. Not like, I smelled you, because he didn't smell us. He was mad that we were there. He didn't know what we were, and he's trying to find his girl. So he just starts sniffing around, snorting at us, being mad. I thought I was about to get him to come back, and I was going to shoot him, too. Mm -hmm. Big buck. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he catches her scent, and then over the hill he goes. I mean, nose down, completely forgot that we existed. You know, it was like a switch just flipped. He smelled the smell he wanted, and he's like, you know, in his little instinctive brain, he said, I could either fight these guys or I could go find her. I'm going to go find her. Yep. And that was that. So then my attentions then shift over to our uh, original non-typical buck. And I can glass him for where we are. We're in like five-foot tall grass. It's awesome. So we just kind of hunker down and watch. And I'm glassing, I'm glassing, I'm glassing. Uh, and he's just kind of like looking around, trying to figure out what's going on. Sun's getting kind of high. And finally, he beds down out there. And I'm like, interesting. <laughs> I wonder if he wants to be where we are right now. Because that's the last place he, he smelled her. It's a shady little ditch. And there's a good chance that he thinks she, she's still over here. And that I was a buck. Because I snort wheezed him to stop him. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that I'm a buck that's over here with her. So he's just, he's thinking, he's sitting over thinking about this the whole time. Michael and I reposition. I kind of leave Michael right there. I go down to the mouth of this little ditch to kind of wait on this deer and to just see if he's going to come back or see if he's going to go do something different. And I'm thinking that, okay, there's a 50% chance that I get to shoot at this deer again, which is unfathomable seeing it how I already flung one at him and spooked him. Mm -hmm. And I can't figure out, like, what his deal is. Why is he this, like, crazy, right? So we sit there, and it takes two hours. But two hours later, it was like 1130, I think, this deer gets up. And Michael and I don't have water or anything, right? So like we're kind of parched. Um, the deer gets up and starts walking right to me. And he's at like 90 yards out there in that plum thicket. And I see him, when I first see him, is at 75. I think Michael gave me a whistle or something. Michael told me the deer was up because I was looking up the drainage or something. And uh, I look over, and he's just standing there, just like calm. And I'm like, oh, oh, we got him. It's it's going to happen. And then he does one of those big buck things that drive you crazy, where he, like, kind of shivers a little bit and shakes his head like he's going to break his antlers off, you know? Mm-hmm. And you think, like, how is your neck not breaking mm-hmm. when that's happening? It's insane. It was so cool. Well, um, anyways, he slowly loafs over to where we are, or where I am, and he's got two options kind of at this one spot where he's 45 yards away, and he can either go right to me, and he's going to come by on a trail that's like 12 yards, spooky, Mm -hmm. or he's going to veer up the main creek drainage, and I've arranged stuff, and he's going to be between 30 and 40. That's what he ends up doing. He goes up, which honestly on the ground with a giant mature buck, I kind of would rather him be a little further away than 12 yards Mm -hmm. because – it's hard to draw when a deer's that close. Um, you One would think. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this deer goes up there, and I have a pretty decent window through some sage bushes, okay? And this buck comes into that window pretty slowly, so I kind of give him a, a decent grunt stop, not super loud, but, you know, like one that you would stop a buck with, not like a, 
uh, not like a one that you're too worried about spooking. Mm-hmm. Not a thing. So quickly, I followed up with just a bad, you know, like a hard, just this Mac, and he stops and just kind of turns his head. He didn't lock it up or anything, and I was like, "Holy man, I can't believe it took that much." But I'm already at full draw, I'm sitting on my butt up against this hill in a deer trail. So I'm like in a depression that's like four or five inches deep and I can't really get my hips around too good, but I feel really good about everything I got going on. I'm shooting at him. I've kind of got all my weight on my right butt cheek and my T feels pretty good. You know, it's like probably sitting around 650 or something like that. You know, pretty good for a 34-year-old. Um, but I have no clue. I have no <laughs> I clue what's good on that. I'm just telling a joke. <laughs> um, but um, uh, my bu- I always check my bubble. It's a thing that I just kind of started doing a couple years back i can always look at my bubble things are good you see where this is going i squeeze arrow goes flying good about halfway there i'm like i'm gonna hit this deer back i could tell right away mm-hmm. and i don't know what happened and then that bugs me too because uh i like to know like oh it was because i had too much pressure in my in my palm or oh it was because i was touching something over my left elbow or my right elbow so it kind of made me do something weird in my release i don't know all i can figure is that he had brush right in front of his vitals kind of up by his neck and back and and head and maybe i subconsciously was kind of pulling away from that whenever i released but the shot was it wasn't a little bit back it was a bad back it was in the guts. It was at the front of the ham. <laughs> and as soon as it happened, it just a complete just disappointment feeling. You know, like, man, I just just messed up the one of the coolest opportunities I've ever been given. And it's not completely messed up because I'm shooting a big three-blade broadhead. I know he's going to die. In fact, I know that we're going to find him because in that country, it's going to happen. It's a big enough property, it's, too. Yeah, big property, open and um, it helps that this deer ran right back into the same bedding area and just right away bedded down mm-hmm. right there. I'm like, okay, well, that's good. But I just know it's going to be like a long day. It's going to stink. It's not fun. Like y'all know my take. I don't worship animals, right? But at the same time, I care a lot about them, and I don't want them to have a hard go of it, you know? Like it ain't fun. Um but I know he's going to die from this. It's lethal for sure. Um, and there's a chance he dies quick because there's arteries and stuff back there. But, I, you know, the camera angle where, from where Michael was, he couldn't see the deer on the shot. Uh, and I didn't know that, and I wouldn't have changed anything. I wouldn't have held off, you know. We're here to hunt, and we're going to capture what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, we might even see what happens from time to time. Well, we try not to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so... Um, I kind of confer with Michael as to what's going on. Uh, he can hear me talking because he's got an in-ear thing, and i got a microphone on, but I can't hear him. But he's kind of giving me hand signals like, yes, no. We're, we're watching the buck out there. We see him kind of like kind of lay his head down. So there's a chance he's dead. We're kind of like pretty excited uh, because I did hit him, you know, and it was a lethal shot. There's like some remorse involved there too. I call you to kind of talk about things, and you and I are kind of on the same page. Like, we're going to find him. It's going to take a little while. You say, do you need me to come out there? I said, yeah, y'all eat you some lunch. I can't leave this thing because we know where he's at right now, and if I leave, then I'm going to, um, you know, I, I won't know for sure if you left, if he left or mm-hmm. not. So I stayed down there the whole time. Y'all thankfully brought us some water and some food. 
which I was very grateful for because it was like 1.30 by the time y'all came out there, I think, or something, you know. That was about the time I ended up eating, I think. But I wasn't too worried about it because, I mean, I was pretty shook up, you mm-hmm. know. I think that, I mean, I didn't have buck fever, like, shaking arms or anything. But I think that deer got to me about as bad as I've ever been got to by whitetail. Like, it was just like, he had me rattled, you mm-hmm. know. It was like that outside linebacker that sacked the quarterback three times and, you know, he the, he's on his mind. Yep. You know, it's one of those kind of things. So, um, I about convinced myself that this thing's dead because we haven't seen his head for about an hour. And I'm thinking, okay, he, he just went out there and bled out and died. And this is awesome. Uh, I'm going to get you to go glass from a different angle, from a different um, perspective, and see if you can see down in this hole. And um, y'all are glassing, and you tell you can see, I think, down into there, right? And you're like, hey. He's up. I can see him. And so at that point in time, it's like, well, shoot, this is back to being hard again. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we then watch him. And I think he might have started smelling y'all because we had like a southeast yeah. wind. That's what I was afraid of coming up mm-hmm. on that stuff is that he would, which we weren't, we really weren't that far apart. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could see each other. And I, I, I the wind was real iffy on whether we were going to be able to, get where we could see him and not get smelled. Mm-hmm. And so I think he, I think he was, but yeah, I was able to kind of essentially signal to you that he was, he was up, he's moving. Yeah. Right? yeah like, I got, you gave me one of these, you know, I was like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I could see him right away. Once that happened, he, he moved, but he started to leave out, which kind of made us pretty concerned because if you remember the year before I smoked a deer, uh, well, not smoked. I hit him very vitally, and he died very quickly. It wasn't my best shot, but he it was lung, liver, uh, and artery. And um, then, but the year before that, I hit a deer in what should have been in the vitals, uh, and we watched that deer walk around for like four hours. Mm. Uh, and that was, so I was having flashbacks of that. But this deer is just being very slow uh with his walk and then as he's walking off i see him lower his head and his head doesn't come back up and he's walking off with that real low head mm-hmm. and, and that's usually a pretty good sign and then i'm watching him and he beds back down and i'm thinking okay he only made it like 40 yards maybe yeah. and had to bed back down so he's not feeling good and and it was at that point it was like okay i need to stalk out there and that's just what, and i was thinking like when he first got up he was kind of moving decent yeah. And I, and it so, wasn't fun to see. That's why we were there. It was yeah. like, if this deer takes off, I need to be able to be in a spot where I can see further than Casey can see. Mm-hmm. So I was a little bit higher than you. And I was, I wanted to make sure, we wanted to make sure if this deer runs off, that somebody gets keeps an eye on as long as possible. Because he's probably going to bed down again fairly soon. But we want to know where that is so that we don't have to we don't have to worry about it, right? For one. Mm-hmm. And then for another, if, if you can see him bed down and keep an eye on him, he may fall over at some point right mm-hmm. and so but he when he got up he you saw him pretty much yeah and, and so then when he starts walking off um uh, and he was like it was this happens over the course of like several minutes right mm-hmm. um he doesn't walk that far but like it, he walks like a half the distance of, of what he walked pretty fast and i was like this is not good man mm-hmm. he's like he's fixing to just do the zombie walk for a mile you know but he, he walked, like, maybe 70 yards total or whatever. I don't know. You may have already said. But, like, halfway into that walk, it got really, like, slow and, like you said, low head. And at that point, I was like, okay, well, 
we're good. Mm-hmm. He ain't going nowhere. We just, you know, we just gotta yeah. make sure that we we you know stay here for a little bit or whatever. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth you had an eye on where he bedded right Mm -hmm. there and so i went out on the stalk to try to go finish the deer off which is not my favorite thing to have to do. In fact, I already had a ridiculous situation in South Dakota with this, the same kind of thing. So I'm already just I'm I just ain't having the season that I've had I, I, in in the year past. And uh, I'm grateful for the deer that I've gotten to shoot, uh, and I'm killing some stuff. But it's just a lot. It ain't coming as easy, you know. And uh, I got some self evaluation to do on that front. But I go on the offensive. And I start stalking. Well, there's no blood because this is gut shot, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. 
where the deer is really I'm using my eyeballs like exclusively to grass try to find is really deer. tall grass they is got tall. good rains in June I think yeah. and so it, it's really tall this and year. it's the wind is picked up which is mm-hmm. good for me in the stalking situation because it's pretty loud there's a lot of plum and and grass there's even these little mm-hmm. rattlesnake plants that rattle when you hit them <laughs> dude I hate them I hate them <laughs> they aren't fun they really no. do sound like a snake um so I'm stalking around and I, I I know how to get to where the last place I saw him not the last place I saw him, but where he originally bedded, I can get to there. After that, I'm just kind of taking off on a trajectory that I think he went because there's no blood. So I start walking, and I'm looking around. I'm looking at y'all. I'm trying to get y'all to kind of help me, you know, signal into him, and you're kind of telling me where I'm walking, but I still can't see him. So I'm taking this really slow, um, you know, like – one or two yards at a time, and I'm getting my binos up, glassing into the, where he's uh, into the cover there. And then probably after like 30 minutes of that, it felt like I don't know. You probably know it might be shorter than that, but it felt like forever to me. It's probably you know, right, right. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. I finally see this deer's antler, and it's his weird side, and I can't believe what it looks like when I get that close because I hadn't had time to think about it. But it is straight up. It looks like a man's forearm coming off of his head and a man's hand inside of like a ball glove or something. And the end that's not it's not quite as big as a man's hand, but it's it's very large. It is bigger than your palm on the end of it. It's the palmation as they would say. Mm-hmm. Uh and it, it really looks like a, a snapping turtle's hand. It's got these little beady antler tines off the end of it. And mm-hmm. it's it's ridiculous. It's I was on Instagram it, if you want to see it. Yeah. I was calling it a shillelagh uh <laughs> because it's like an Irish word for a war club. Mm-hmm. Um and his other side is just a ridiculously heavy 10-point side. and But that gave him away because they're super white, mm-hmm. so I could see them. And uh, he's like, I can see his head bobbling around. And at that point in time, it's very relieving because I'm like, okay, he's he's almost dead. Mm-hmm. So I just need to shoot him to finish him off so that you know I can get him out of his misery and we can get on with being happy about this. And uh, so – I know I can close some distance. I get to about 15 yards, and uh, I can only see his back half of his body, and I can see his chest cavity moving up and down, so I just kind of aim at that and shoot. I end up hitting him further back again than what would be ideal, which really stinks. Uh, Shot him with a fixed blade, and I went through his spine and cut the arteries, but he didn't die instantly. But I I knew it was lethal. So I kind of chunked my bow down, probably further than I should have, but I was just like overwhelmed at that moment. Kind of like, golly, this was just so, I mean, overwhelming doesn't do it justice. It was just um, draining. Mm-hmm. And then he whips his head up and looks at me because I make <laughs> some noise. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I grab my bow again and shoot him again, you know, and like – Y'all, if you know me, you can tell, like, I find humor all the time, even in serious situations. But it, it, it stunk. It was the the killing of that deer was, wasn't my favorite. But I'm glad we got him. And after that, I shot him the, for the third time. He expired very quickly. And uh, we got on to celebrating. And it was kind of cool, kind of weird. Michael was pretty far behind me. I could see y'all up on the hill, like, 200 yards away. And so, like, I had some time just to my thoughts right then. And I thought about a lot of stuff. Um, I had some scriptures that came to mind in particular that um, I actually read. You all probably see some of that uh, in the video that will air next fall. 
I think next fall, next year sometime. Um, but it was it was also kind of weird because y'all left to go get the game cart. So instead of y'all walking down, I saw you walking away, and I don't I don't know why, but I just kind of remember that being like, oh, they're going over there. Yeah, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it was just it was just I wasn't upset, but it just was like almost like it gave me that out on the prairie feeling. You know, yeah. like man, you know, you're just so far away from people, mm-hmm. and uh, but yeah, it turned into just you know. To use the cliche, we got it done, you know, yeah. uh, and that really fits because we got it done. We didn't do it. I didn't do it well. Y'all did awesome as a support staff, and I'm just very thankful, especially for you, for somebody I can like, dude, I can call you and ask you what I should do, and I can just do what you say. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like, well, let me just evaluate Tyler had to say there and see, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like I can rely on you to give me both from experience and just wisdom that God has given you to give me good answers on stuff, and I appreciate it, man. And uh, I had to have it then because I was rattled from that thing. And yeah. uh, it worked out well. We got to have a a very just – what a beautiful day. I'm telling you. It was like 55, sunny. Say. The sunset is a top 10 of my lifetime sunset. We took a big old selfie. It was just – it was yeah. so cool, man. We we hung out by that deer for a long time. We did. We, we haven't got to do that in a long time either mm-hmm. because – um, like I can't even, I don't even, I'm, I'm trying to think of when the last time I even got to do that. I've killed so many evening deer. Mm-hmm. I've killed five evening deer this year. Mm-hmm. And I had one, you'll hear about this probably next, next podcast, but I had one chance to get it done in the morning recently and it hurt, but I didn't get it done. And, uh, anyway, I, it was nice to have a deer that we could st- sit there by and not be like, Man, it's nine o'clock and we got lights going out and batteries are dying and we need to get this thing, you know, somewhere because it's seventy degrees and we got to get it iced down and try to eat something and get in mm-hmm. bed, you know, after we wash up or whatever. Instead, it was like, well, let's just hang out here and look at this deer and take random pictures for a little bit. You yeah, know, and, and I'm talk. glad that y'all were cool with that because that deer means a ton to me. I mean, yeah. it's it's a once in a lifetime deer. Yeah. It is the most unique deer I'll probably ever shoot. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, but probably. Probably so. It's, I mean, it's the, for me, it is just the epitome of what a trophy is. Mm. You know, like a trophy whitetail, of course, you know, a 200 is a trophy. It's just an unfathomable deer. But like, I would say that they probably make more 200s than they make of that. Thing. Yeah. I, you I know? mean, I would agree with so, that probably. Yeah. Um, it's just something that I cannot wait to just have in my house for forever to be able to show people and talk about. Yep. You know, I've got a 21-inch wide Kansas buck that'll, I don't know what he scores. He'll be really big. He's very impressive on the wall. But people are going to walk right past that deer to go look at the one that I just killed. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. And it's yep. not because I want people to think I'm cool. I want people to talk about hunting and yeah. Talk about memories and that kind of stuff because that stuff means a lot for sure, so, man. I'm thankful y'all were there with me, man. We got to go eat some Mexican food that night, that you know. Like, dude. golly, man, smelling so, like buck. Yeah, we didn't go take showers or nothing, we just went up in there. We were bucking up, man. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> it was, man. It yeah, was a good time. That was a good time for sure, dude. I mean, now you, you're, you were using, were you using your heavier arrows? I was. So you got thankfully. back to doing that on that trip, yes. And gotcha. I didn't get a pass through on that. So I went on the first shot. On the first shot, really? I guess I hit his um, either just really dense muscle, or I caught like his offside hip or huh. something. Um, but yeah, I didn't get a pass through, which was that? weird. Um, That's very interesting. Yeah, um, but it was a heavier arrow setup with a big broadhead. I went. 
I didn't get to. I didn't get to. Like I went and got the game cart, brought it down. We hung out for a long time, took pictures, talked, made jokes, and then I left out again to go um, get the truck. And I was going to bring it around to a closer spot, so we only had to cart that dude out like 300 yards or mm-hmm. 400 yards instead of you know. Um, half a mile or whatever mm-hmm. and so I didn't get to see any of the gutting or anything not that I needed to see it but I, I didn't get to see the, <laughs> the anatomy ana- yeah, yeah. The anatomical uh, you know observations that you mm-hmm. made or whatever so I didn't know for sure how that, dude they're tough animals they it's, are it's wild it's, I was you know this is a very old deer um, it's uh, once we posted it actually had some folks reach out who had trail camera pictures of this deer and had some history with him and they were very kind and and excited that i shot him but uh he was eight and a half years old according to them that's what they thought he was and um he had a really rough um rack the year before like almost just uh what's the diminutive is that the word i'm trying to say or like i don't know diminutive would be small diminished would be kind of so like very just i mean he might have scored like I don't know. Who knows? Very small the year mm-hmm. before. But the year before that, he was a big giant, I think, eight point. Mm. Um, and so, anyways, he apparently had put his eye out that two years before in the rut, his right eye was foggy whenever we walked up to him. Not in like a dead deer sense, but like he was blind in that eye. Mm-hmm. That's why he didn't see me draw or do anything. And <laughs> yeah. that's why he wasn't as spooked as he should be. Mm-hmm. And his right ear had blood coming out of it from the fight so he was deaf and blind and his right pedicle Ooh. was nappy it was like it was rotten at that pedicle where that big non-typical thing is so who knows maybe he has like an abscess up in there or something that caused him to be weird but like his hide would pull off of his skull i could yeah. pull his hide back and see his skull yeah nasty weird. and it's tough, like tough tough they're tough and then you know the um caping them out cutting the the nape you know, around the back of their neck or whatever, like the the height is like, I don't know, three eighths of an inch thick, maybe even close to a half inch thick back there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just made to battle. Yeah. He's big enough to where he was big on the front end, but tiny in the back, not tiny, but smaller in the back end. But he still had that whole like big neck chest thing. Mm-hmm. Like he was a big buck. He was just yeah. like, I mean, truly what you would call over the hill. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's. Yeah. I dreamed about killing deer like that. It was mm. it was pretty cool to do. It's it. crazy to think about because uh, we we kind of deduced that through those truck hunting pictures that the drought of twenty two really affected those deer probably mm-hmm. pretty bad. And mm-hmm. and remember the deer I shot, which was on the buck truck episode. I had talked about how he was quite a bit bigger the year before, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And he just and is also another thing that was weird. I've said this. You may not remember if you're listening, but. When I when I got the the like skull capped antlers before he was mounted, his antlers were super lightweight. It's weird. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were like not dense. Yeah, you know. And mm-hmm. he had broken one on November first. He had already broken a G two. Yeah, he was pretty broke up. It was yeah. wild. Yeah, the deer I shot the year before wasn't broken up like hardly at all. Uh, but you can look at his main beams and they kind of butter knife on the end. Mm-hmm. Almost like they just stopped growing mm-hmm. because he didn't have like he has really th- like big bases yeah and, he's and then he gets thin, thin. pretty quick yeah. all the way out and up it's wild and it's like dude that deer could have who knows oh what he there's been. no telling ain't yeah. passed though no ain't <laughs> pass I ain't much of a passer <laughs> no no it's fun to shoot deer <laughs> it man is. you know yeah so that's what uh we're we're uh, so we're actually right now in Texas um, on a lease and. 
we uh, we probably said this in the last podcast, but we're hanging out with uh, our new friends, JP France and uh, uh, Leigh McClendon McNasty, and uh, they're out hunting. We're kind of playing outfitter right now, trying to get them on some deer. Been getting to make supper a lot, which I kind of am having a good time uh, doing. Dude, and you're doing a good job, Thanks, man. man. You're such that. a good cook, man. I've kind of I've offered to help, but I'm really actually glad that I don't have well, to mess anything up. You know what they say up, about you know too I mean? many cooks in the kitchen. That's right, right man. You can help me tonight because we're going to be spread out. We're going to make steaks tonight, mm. but um, it actually is a pretty small kitchen, so don't feel – you helped me with some dishes today. That was a, that was a big help, so well. – we, you know, we don't pay people to do anything. I'm just right thinking. besides us. No, right? so. no, that's it. That's the only guy's getting paid, right? Uh, I think there's actually, you know, this thing where we could probably just put some water in a bowl, heat it up, and then throw Doritos on it. Eric would be just fine. Oh, he'd love it. We could call it Dorito casserole. <laughs> he'd be all about it. <laughs> oh, guys, uh, remember to eat healthy. Remember to check out the YouTube channel for some of our latest hunts and to look forward to some of the stuff that we're going to put out next year. And remember, this is your element. Live in it. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook. Wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside. From grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about ice age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold.